Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. He made all the heavens and earth, yes it's true, he showed all his glory so there's no excuse. So worship, adore him and baptize his name, so chaos he enters his greatness proclaim. My God is alive. My God is alive, my God is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior and He is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior and He is alive. He rose from the bondage and gloom of the grave. Exalted on high for the life that he gave. So glory and honor and praise is his name. So chaos of kingdoms his sonship proclaim. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive, the Christ is alive. God's word is alive, God's word is alive. God's word is the Bible and it is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is the Bible and it is alive. The Spirit inspired the great men of God who penned all the message while here on this song. It sharpens and swords and it passes the same. Since powers is failing, it's worth we proclaim. God's word is alive, God's word is alive, God's word is alive. God speaks. Are you listening? Now, I think both of those things are very important. And many passages in the Bible from the very beginning of all of creation kind of lead me to believe that God has always spoken to us. He has always given us as humans kind of an insider's look at what God has been doing and what God is going to continue to do. Now, this video started off with, a, with how Hebrews started off, with Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And that specifically even stated about how God has spoken in all different ways, but in these last times he's spoken to us through his son. And I want us to look at a few passages, both in the Old Testament and in the New, and kind of get a better understanding of what that means that God speaks and the need for us to listen. Now, we are going to notice kind of two different ways that God speaks. And this is the way that I'm going to mention it, at least here to you. God speaks in one way through the works that he does, but then he also speaks through his word. We're going to see both of those in a very kind of cool way working together. So let's dive in and let's start off actually uh, with a New Testament passage. 
in Romans chapter 1, um, I love this statement because it really tells us that creation itself reveals something to us about God. Romans 1 verses 20 through 23. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. And sadly, what we actually see is the same type of thing that is described here in the book of Romans is something that we see in our own country many times. Now, of course, we're not likely going to see these images about, you know, m making the form of a human or birds or some, some type of animal. But we do find out that people are exchanging the this glory of God for kind of the glory of the creation. They're worshiping the creation rather than the creator. However, the creation and the works of God from the very beginning should have all been pointing us to these invisible qualities of God, these invisible attributes of God. Because this passage in Romans tells us that from the foundation, from, from creation of the world, God's invisible qualities. Which qualities are those? His eternal power and his divine nature. Well, the reason why the creation itself reveals those things is because we know any being that could create this huge universe has eternal power and he has a divine nature. We find out those things from creation itself. And the statement is made that those are clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So the works of God, creation itself reveals the glory of God, reveals something about God, and in turn it should produce us glorifying God for all that he has done. Now, I also said it's not just about the works of God because that only takes you so far because that doesn't tell you anything at all about, well, having faith in Jesus Christ. Well, if you look even in this same book, in Romans, flip a few chapters on now uh, to uh, Romans chapter 10, and in Romans 10, he's been talking about how we need to put our faith and our trust in God and in the Lord. In Romans 10, verses 16 through 18, we read this interesting passage here. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news or the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Now, this passage is kind of, uh, I know that we sort of jumped in the middle of this conversation. We kind of left it before the conversation even ended. Um, but when we get into the midst of what is happening right here, he is kind of going about believing this message, believing in the Lord. And he says a wonderful uh, verse in verse 17, that faith comes from hearing the message. And this message is heard through the word about Christ or, or the, the words of, of Christ right here. So faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing what message? Well, the message that is mentioned in verse 18, whenever he asks, well, you know, did they hear? Well, of course they heard. How did they hear? Well, he speaks about this voice going out and their words going out to the end of the world. But what passage is he actually quoting from? Well, 
that is where we get this amazing thing because you know all this leading up to it verses 17 and 18 would you know most of the time lead us to believe okay well this is uh, in order for you to have faith in God uh, it has to come from the word of God and yes I think the word of God is so important about how God speaks to us but that's not the only way that God speaks to us it's not just through his word it's not just through his written words it's also through the works that he does and in in verse 18 we actually see that these words that he's describing that have gone to the ends of the world, they are these works of God because he's quoting from the Psalms right here. So let's take a look at the Psalm, which he's quoting from. And I'm going to look at this, this entire Psalm because it's beautiful and it's wonderful to see the, the whole Psalm together. It's Psalm 19. Now, you'll probably kind of notice that uh, we don't really uh, get into it until verse 4 about their voice going out into the earth, their words to the end of the world. But it starts in verse 1, and it's telling you, okay, well, whose voice, whose words, what, what's going on, and, and how is this uh, faithful message about Christ being proclaimed? Psalm 19, beginning in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hand, the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises on one end of the heaven and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived. Of its warmth. So already we start to get this idea. It's this creation, specifically that the heavens look up at night, look up in the daytime, and you see, you know, if you look up at night, you see the the wonderful picture of the stars before us, and the skies are they they are proclaiming the works of God. Yes, it's it's not something that you can hear, but it's something you can see. It's the works of God that boldly and loudly proclaim praise to our Creator. This is the voice that has gone into all the earth. These are the words that have gone to the ends of the world. It's the heavens, the things of the heavens, the works of God. Then we also find out in verse 4 that he tells us that, look, it's not just about the nighttime, going out in the nighttime and seeing all the stars and seeing the, you know, the, the beautiful things about the night sky. It's also during the day because in the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. And this image about the sun kind of running a race. So depending on how you want to look at this, okay, if you want to get excited with uh, comparing the sun with like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, okay, of course the bridegroom is going to, you know, be, be ready and rushing to that wonderful moment. If that communicates with you, great. If not, guess what? He gives you another one. Like a champion who is rejoicing to run his course. Now, maybe some of you runners, that would make sense to. You might like that image. And that really produces, you know, this, this kind of, a view about the sun running a race across the sky. It's a neat little image. But if that doesn't exactly work, then he kind of gets into a little bit more of just looking up at the heavens and seeing the sun. How it rises in one end and it goes all the way through and its heat goes throughout all of the world. So no matter if you look up at night or during the daytime or if you look out in clear skies or cloudy skies, the heavens declare the glory of God all of the time. And just like the sun kind of goes throughout and uh, will heat up you know, everything on the earth, even the cold parts of the earth are heated up still by the sun. Because, I mean, without the sun's heat, 
um, he, even the cold parts uh, of the earth would, uh, uh, would get so much more um, cold than, than what they already are. So these images are used, and we see this is the voice, these are the words, and it's the words and the voice of the works of God, the heavens. But the psalm kind of switches, though. It doesn't just stay right there talking about the works of God. Now you look at verse 7, and it kind of seems as if the psalmist has just switched. He's talking about the creation, but then he goes to the law. What, what's going on right here? This is where we see the word and the works of God combining and all proclaiming the wonderful things about God. Psalm 19, 7 through 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Now see, you know, many times we hear this term about the law of the Lord or the, even the law of Moses, and we, we hear those things and we, we probably don't think too positively about such things. And if, if you're in that boat, so to speak, and if you hear about the law of God and, you, and you're kind of struggling with thinking about that in a positive light, I would encourage you to read the Psalms. Go ahead and start, start in Psalm 1 if you want. And just kind of make your way through there and you, you start to get a better appreciation, I believe at least, for what the law of the Lord is all about. I mean, look at this psalm right here. You see all these beautiful images. And I think it's wonderful if we can adopt some of these same ways of thinking about the law of the Lord into thinking about, you know, all of what God has done, all of what God has written, because it is such a beautiful thing, such a wonderful thing. And if you're kind of a, a visual learner and if you like some, some more visual things, if, if these aren't just kind of enough, uh, keep reading in the psalm and you'll find out some visual images you could connect the law with. Verses 10 through 13 now. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their, error, their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servants also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. So we see at least these images. You know, if you like the image about pure gold, it, it's a, it, there's something wonderful about seeing pure gold or honey. I, I'm one who, I like honey. I think it's a wonderful sweetener, has, has a wonderful taste to it. And when you start to compare this to the law of God, it's something that is so sweet. And something that actually has a little bit of substance to it, you know, in, in the word of God, at least, it has a lot of substance to it. But these images are things that we can compare the law of the Lord with. It's images that the law of the Lord are compared with and how they can help us and how they can, can get us through this life and throughout uh, the one that is to come as well. And the psalm ends on this note. Verse 14. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Such a wonderful thought. And we see in this psalm that the psalmist is looking at the works and the word of God. We see it from the Old Testament, see it from the New Testament. These are, are two different ways that God receives glory from his words, from his works. God speaks. It's our job to be listening, though. And I want to share one final uh, little thing about it and one more passage from Luke's gospel this time. 
But before we get there, I want to remind you of Hebrews chapter 1, especially verse 2. It says, verse 1, it says that there's different ways that God has spoken to us. Verse 2, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. It's a wonderful thought. It's a wonderful truth. What does that look like, though? Well, in Luke chapter 4, I believe we get a glimpse as to what it looks like that these last days he has spoken to us by his son. What does that look like when his son speaks? Luke 4, beginning in verse 14, going through verse 17 now. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, let's just pause right here, because he's, he's unrolling this scroll. He's unrolling the Word of God. And he's about to read the word of God in this assembly right here, in this synagogue, in his hometown. This is how Jesus is revealing the word of God to the people around him. He actually goes to the word of God, but he also teaches from the word of God. Now, he is handed the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. Let's hear what Isaiah says and what Jesus reads from Isaiah. Verses 18 and 19 of Luke 4, quoting, reading from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now at first, looks like a pretty good passage. Looks like there's some neat things about this passage, right? And then if you keep reading and find out what Jesus says about this passage. Verses 20 through 22. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? And if you keep reading, I know we ended it here on a nice little note, and they're amazed, and, and they're, they're really just hanging on his every word. But if you keep reading, you find out some of them, at least, had a problem with what he was saying. Because he read from Isaiah the prophet and he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He started with the word of God and he was preaching the good news. He was preaching himself. He was preaching the kingdom of God, what he was doing in their midst. And many of them weren't ready. Many of them didn't want things to change. Many of them knew that God had spoken and God was speaking through Jesus, but they weren't willing to listen. So what about us today? Will we read the scriptures by listening to what Jesus says about them, by listening to the fulfilled passages that, that he has fulfilled these things that were written about from the prophets? Jesus is the ultimate, you know, well, what all the scriptures were leading toward. And he is the one who gives us salvation. God speaks. He speaks through his works. He speaks through his word. The question to us, though, still comes, are you listening? Are we listening with both ears wide open to everything that God is proclaiming to us? I hope that we are. And if we're not right now, maybe we can open up our ears and start listening to what God is doing in our midst from here on out.
Ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready for the judgment day. When the bridegroom comes, will I be there to meet him in the air? And will my lamp be burning bright? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the master comes today, will I be in or cast away? And will he find me faithful there? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Lord should choose to lay, will I be true until that day? And will my oil be plenty then? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day.